As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome back, everybody. The Jets did not lose in Week 10. That's the best part of a bye week when you're 0-9. We're back, though, with a big show today. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer at The Athletic, and our producer, Marissa Morris. We're going to get into the latest news about Sam Darnold, but more importantly than that, we're very excited to have Dane Brugler joining the show a little bit later, our NFL draft guru at The Athletic. He's going to talk about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, much more. So subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Please give us a five-star rating as well. Connor, how was your bye week? It was good, man. It was good. I, I got a chance to, uh, I, I always say this, and actually, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a little sad, but at the same time, it, it is the truth. And, and it's something that, like, I, I tweeted this one out there finally, but I'm kind of reminded whenever the Jets have a bye or whenever they play on Monday night what, like, other football looks like. And I don't mean that in terms of, like, you know, a low blow shot at the Jets. Like, I'm not trying to take, you know, kick the team while they're down. Like, I understand. They're, they're a rebuilding team. They're, they're redoing this roster. They're making changes, yada, yada, yada. I get all that, you know, but – Watching a game like the Cardinals and and Bills, like that game that like just went down to the wire, like watching that one, watching even the Giants Eagles, you know that game because uh, watching them them the twenty seven seventeen, but still twenty four seventeen, kind of going down to the wire. Watching that game for for the Jets draft implications, watching games like that, especially the Cardinals one though, it's kind of like man, if the Jets actually finish this season one of fifteen zero and sixteen, if the Jets actually get this number one pick in the draft. If the Jets get Trevor Lawrence and Joe Douglas continues to round out this roster and the rest of his drafts look as good as this first one did, to think like the Jets could be like what the Bills are, or the Jets could be like the uh, like like the the Cardinals are, and be playing in games like that every Sunday and be and be that kind of a team and to be covering that team, it kind of like normally I watch watch other games around the NFL when the Jets aren't on. I'm like, man, this is what real football looks like. But this time, I kind of looked through it in the lens of, uh, like, I got to – man, I would love to cover games like that. You can kind of, like, maybe see that light at the end of the tunnel and be like, I I, I maybe – Maybe someday I can I can be covering you know, weekly games like that where you got the exciting quarterback 
the exciting offense, the game-winning plays at the end. I know I say that now, and then, of course, when I'm up on the deadline and I've got to write a game story and, you know, it looks like Trevor Lawrence just won- just threw a game-winning touchdown only to then have the defense break down and give up a Hail Mary to DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins. Like, I'm sure that I would be, like, cursing to the high heavens. But uh, I don't know. That that was kind of how I spent my bye. You know, my mom came over. I've always said this before, that uh, football in the Hughes household growing up was was pro- was pretty big. You know, I'd wake up and, and watch ESPN's uh, pre- preview show from 11 to 12. Fox came 12 to 1. Then I watched the 1 o'clock game, 4 o'clock game, NFL primetime, and then the Sunday night game. And my mom would always have, like, my friends over, and we did do, like, the big football Sunday party with wings and food and all that. And, you know, obviously I don't get a chance to watch many football games with my mom anymore because I work every Sunday. Uh, so she came over to the apartment, and, and we watched the uh, some of the games, and that was fun. So it was, it was cool. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I was having a really good week until today when my fish died. So that was uh, – that was that was that always was, good. That I, was such I an optimistic email. and happy yeah. outlook, and then you finish BCW. it off with, "Oh, and R.I.P. My fish died. What a way like, to wake it, up!" It's, it's bad. Like, I, all right. So my cousin's like real big into like the fish tank stuff, right? Like that's my your my cousin like, is. Yeah, like he is. Like he's he's the one who kind of like got me into fish. Like I know. Like anytime you have a fish fish question, you go and you ask Bobby. And so, uh, so I, 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 I like remember I talked to him months ago, and I was like, "Man, I'm looking for some cool fish." Like I, you know, I'm. I'm I'm to the point where I got to restock again. I'm going for he, he turned me on to these things called like Bozmanian rainbow fish or something like that. And they look cool. Like they're silver, but when they move, like they they shimmer in like all these different colors and the males are, you get like uh, one male and like four female. And then they have, they school together and then the females up their color. Cause they want to impress the male and the male ups their color. I mean, it's got a cool little concept. These things just drop dead at like the drop of a hat. Like they constantly die on me. And I'm originally I'm like, is it me? But I have like these glass catfish things in there. I have auto catfish. Like these fish are supposed to like die easy. And I've had them for like a years. And my, like, I have a, a angel fish in there. It's like six years old. So I know I'm not like killing these things. I'm not doing anything wrong, but I can't keep these goddamn rainbow fish alive. I can't, they just die on me all the time. They're all dying. And so like, I finally like got three. Two of them died up to five. I was like, maybe the school wasn't big enough. Those die off. Then I finally like up it a little bit more. I'm like, all right, we're going to go all in again. I kept these alive for like two months. Then all of a sudden one dies. Then the next one dies. Then the next one dies. It's just, they all die. And it's like, looks like they die slow, painful death. So I saw one like gulping at the top of the tank. I was like, that's the oh, worst. When they're side, like world. sideways. They swim oh yeah. Sideways he's like, for a he's while. like swimming oh. at the top, like gasping yeah. for air. I'm like, what the, like, what's wrong with you? No other fish is doing this. No other any of them in there none of the other fish are doing this and also i look and i find him like suction cup to the filter today i'm like god this is a great way to start my day lost another fish Uh, i like those guys though i'm not emotionally attached to when my angel fish goes like that's the one where i'm gonna be like because that that guy's been with me since i lived in morristown man that that you moved that's impressive to move with the fish with the fish and stayed alive Tim, do you got a transition from fish to jets? Fish to Darnold? I, I don't know where that is, but we'll, we'll just jump. belly up and so did the jets. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's just the easy one. All right, let's talk about Sam uh, because we thought going into the bye week that, hey, extra time off, Sam will get healthy and we'll see another chance maybe with a full receiving core to see what he can do in the second half of the season after the bye week. But yesterday, meeting with Gase and Darnold, you were on those Zoom calls, Connor. He's going to miss this game, probably going to miss the Dolphins game too, it sounds like. And it's an AC sprain that they're just going to, at this point, instead of managing it, just let it get to 100%, which, I mean, it's good for his health overall, but it's not good for figuring out Sam Donald here down the stretch. No, it's not. Um, and and I think, 
you know, there was with Sam, there was always like, look, I mean, if the Jets finish 0 and 16, they're they're picking Trevor Lawrence. If they finish one and 15 and have the top pick in the draft, they're picking Trevor Lawrence. We're gonna have Dane Dane on in a bit here to to talk about um the the differences between Trevor Lawrence and Landry. Uh, I keep saying Landry Fields, Justin Fields. Like we're gonna we're gonna talk about the difference between them because if the Jets finish number two, I'm starting to think that they might take Justin Fields because of how good this kid looks. I can't wait to see that game this weekend. Um, but there was always this outside chance that these final seven games, Sam could come out of the bye, return as the team's starting quarterback, play well these final seven weeks, steal a game or two, you know, maybe beat the Chargers or beat the Raiders when they come to the East Coast, beat the Patriots, kind of take the Jets out of that top one, two selection, have them picking three, have them picking four, show enough that he still is and can be this team's franchise quarterback and and be that guy and and kind of you know be end up being the one that reaps the rewards of of Joe Douglas's incoming talent infusion you know that Sam will be the guy that is the recipient of all of these draft picks you know he'll be the one that's the recipient of the 90 million in salary cap space that Sam not Trevor Lawrence not Justin Fields not anyone else it'll be Sam that reaps these rewards and with this injury, I just I just kind of get the feeling that it that it puts the capper on it that that this is, you know, this is the end for Sam and I he'll he's gonna play again this year like he will like he he said he plans on playing this year the Jets said you know Adam Gase said they have no plans on putting him on the season ending in injured reserve you know that's not something that they're considering right now but he is it's just, it's just hard to see him doing it you know what I mean like it's hard to see there being enough time for him to get the Jets to a point where it is him. Unless maybe Joe Flacco steals a game. Like, obviously, that's possible. Joe Flacco could steal a game, and then Sam gets one at the end of the year. I mean, that's, that's always in the cards. But Sam's not going to play this week. It sounded very, very much like he's not going to play against the Dolphins. He probably will not play the week after that, and then maybe you get him back in there, you know, in, in three, four weeks down the road. So it, it's just – it's sad, man, because I don't think that it had to go this way. Like, Sam, I still think, has talent. Sam, I still think, has the potential to be a franchise quarterback if you surround him with all the pieces. But – you're obviously not gonna give up on on the chance to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields to take a chance that maybe Sam turns around in year four because we have a story up on the Athletic last year and I compared what Jared Goff had done in year three and Russell Wilson had done in year three and and um, uh, who else did they use Deshaun Watson and what he did and all these guys did in year three and what that set the stage for in year four and then you kind of compare what they, you know, those guys were completing 65% of their passes coming off four, you know, 4,000 and 3,800 yard passing years. And, 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 um, and uh, you know, doing all of these impressive things, you know, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, things like that, leading their team to the playoffs. And you got Sam coming off year three in a, a Sam's going to be, or I should say Sam's going to be entering year four, having never played a complete season coming off the worst statistical year of his career, and all and, and basically a mechanical mess. And it's just kind of a shame because like Sam, like this injury is just like I, I wrote it. I wrote it. Yes. Like yesterday, this injury is just going to be a footnote in like Sam Darnold's tenure with the Jets. Like when he's gone, no one's really going to talk about it. But it's a shame because it, it kind of like solidifies that he's just going to go down as the next guy who failed in replacing Joe Namath. And he failed in replacing Joe Namath because the Jets failed him. And, and that's yeah. that to me is that to me is kind of sad, honestly. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, somebody else we can ask about Sam Donald actually is Dane. So he is ready to go as we we let him in and we'll let his audio click in here as we uh, continue to do it. There he is. Hey, Dane, thanks for coming on, man. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, Tim here along with Connor and Marissa. Um, we're going to throw you right into the fire here because we were just talking about Sam Darnold. We're going to get to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and all that stuff. But okay. um, but I'll start by just saying, because Connor wrote a story that's up on the site today about how, you know, the Jets have kind of failed Sam Darnold in, in, with these injuries and everything. So I would, to start, I just want to ask you, thinking back to when he was coming out of USC, what kind of grade you had on Darnold? And have you been... I don't know if the word surprised or disappointed in how it's gone in the NFL. I don't think we talk enough about how dependent the quarterback position is at the NFL level. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, we talk, talk about Sam Darnold, talk about him like with fans. You, if he's good enough, he should be playing better. And it's just not that simple. Uh, if you don't have the supporting cast and not just the line, not just the receivers, but the coaching, the preparation that it takes uh, that's going to help you prepare for games week in, week out, you have no shot. And, you know, I, I would love to find out what would have happened if, uh, you know, the Bears drafted Patrick Mahomes instead of Trubisky, and then mm -hmm. Trubisky goes to the Chiefs. How, how do those two situations play out? Talk about two totally different circumstances and two very different quarterbacks. Uh, and it's just the the supporting cast, everything around him, that factors in so much. So with Sam Darnold, that's part of the equation here. He was my top quarterback that year in that draft, ahead of just ahead of Baker Mayfield, ahead of Rosen, ahead of Lamar Jackson, ahead of Josh Allen. Uh, and, you know, for, he came out as a redshirt sophomore. He was still very young. Uh, but you could really point to uh, parts of his tape. Uh, you know, you watch him against Penn State in that bowl game. You watch, you know, there's certain – parts of his game that you point to and say, look, he can do this at the NFL level, the poise that he played with the ability to throw off platform and be creative. Uh, there's so much about his college tape at USC that got you excited and got you. Okay. Not only what he is right now, but what he could be two, three years from now, unfortunately his development has just been stunted in New York. You um, just real, real quick again, before we move on is, is the Sam discussions, obviously if, if the jets finish with, with number one, number two pick in this draft, odds are they're going quarterback. I mean, it's just, you can't right. pass up on one of these two kids. Um, Sam, based off of what, I mean, look, you, you scouted him in college. You, you, you've put the film together. You've kind of looked at all of this with Sam. Do you think he still has a second round value to him? If the jets were to try to flip him, is it because of, of the contract that's coming up that somebody's eventually going to have to pay him because of, you know, now three years of NFL film to go along, you know, kind of offsetting maybe somewhat of that college film. Is he now slipping more into that third round value? I mean, where, where would you kind of position that? His value playing simple is just whatever someone's willing to pay for him, you know, and, and it's tough to say what it's going to be because he's been beat down. There there's, it's really hard to say where, what's his mindset right now? What's his mentality? Uh, you know, is he already damaged goods? Um, you know, there will be a team that's ready to pounce and take a chance, you know, whether that's a team like the Broncos or the saints, uh, you know, there's several candidates out there, what the asking price is going to be that that's tough. And I, I think best case for the jets is just to have multiple teams out there that really want them to, you know, drive up the asking price. And if you can end up getting, say a second and, you know, a sixth or a second and then a conditional pick, whatever it is. I think that's probably best case scenario. Gotcha. Now I, I always joke, like people ask me all the time about like draft stuff. Like it's, it's the go-to like Jet fans want to know about draft stuff. They always reach out to me. And then one thing I tell them constantly, whether it's in the athletic comment section, whether it's on Twitter, I'm like, you got to go to Dane. Like, this is not, this is not my area expertise. I was like, you want to know, the ins and outs of these players, you go to Dane, wait for like that monster draft guide that you put out, which is 
still to this day, I have no idea how the hell you do that and stay sane <laughs> because I like there there's times during the draft, man, where like the Jets will pick somebody and I know they've picked some people where it's like, who the hell is this guy? And they'll and I'll be like, I was like, can't be in Dan's book. I was like, can't be. It can't be that I'm doing like the the control F to search for the player's name. And sure enough, there the hell the dude is. And there is detailed strengths, weaknesses, positional ranking, everything. So I can't wait for that thing to come out. But how long is this is set up another question? But how long have you actually been doing this in terms of not just for the athletic, but like put it like with the concerted effort? I'm scouting these guys. I'm putting these guys together. I mean, when was the first year that you remember like doing it? Uh, probably my freshman year in college, uh, in my dorm room, um, <laughs> along with the Mount Union. So you know, a strong football school, um, you know, I worked for the football team and that was my introduction to scouting and it really got, it really triggered something. And, uh, Pierre Garcon and I were seniors there at Mount Union. So, uh, that was my chance to learn under a lot of scouts, uh, create my network, that type of thing. And so, you know, that was, gosh, more years than I want to admit ago uh, <laughs> now, but it's just, it's been something that, uh, you know, if you want to get into scouting, you need to separate yourself somehow. And for me, it was my draft guide. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's tough because there's so many players, thousands and thousands of players every year. Um, and it, it can be tough to know, okay, well, I've watched, you know, five tapes on this guy. Is it time to move on yet? Do I know him? I, I mean, time management's a big part of this. Um, but as long as people keep enjoying it and by, you know, according to the numbers, people love it. And so that, that's great. And as, as long as people keep uh, enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. And it, I, I do find it, uh, it's, it's very resourceful because, you know, I'll be sitting here, uh, and a, a player that was drafted four years ago, uh, you know, he'll have a foot injury and I'll pull up his report from four years ago and say, Oh, he injured that same foot his sophomore year at Alabama. And you know, that gives me some context. And so it's, yeah not only this year, but for future years, it's very helpful. So then with that said, where does Trevor Lawrence rank in terms of the quarterbacks that, that you've looked at in terms of the quarterbacks you've gone over, you've scouted the grades you've handed out. Everything we hear is Trevor Lawrence is generational. Everything we hear is Trevor Lawrence is, is once in a lifetime. Trevor Lawrence is the best since so-and-so you're someone who, I mean, you are someone who is, I'm looking at these quarterbacks every year. I'm putting the, the notes on Winston and I'm putting the notes on Goff and I'm putting the notes on Wentz and Wilson and all of these guys. I mean, where does Trevor rank in terms of generational players and guys that just don't come around too often? Yeah. And it's really hard to do this because we have a sample size of these guys in the NFL. And so it's really hard not to let that poison your thoughts here uh, of, you know, going back to just what we knew about them as college players mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he's different than say like a Joe Burrow because Burrow was further along, you know, mentally, and he is not a physical freak with his size and his arm. He's more going to beat you with uh, what he can do above the neck and uh, his poise and his confidence. And so these, these quarterbacks are so different. Um, and it, it does make it tough when you just try to lump them in the one bag and rank them. But I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's up there. Um, now if you were in last year's class, I think he would probably be behind Joe Burrow for me uh, just because I, I was sold on Joe Burrow uh, just because the poison confidence that he plays with is just, it's, it's uncanny for a player his age. Um, and we've seen it this year as a rookie for the Bengals. And uh, as soon as they get him some help on the offensive line, I mean, the, the Bengals are going to be a, a team uh, that's going to be a, you know, a threat in that AFC North, 
But with with Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, ever since his freshman year, he, he's been penciled in as that number one pick in this draft because uh, there's there's so much to like about him, both physically and mentally. And this year, uh, before missing the last two games due to his positive COVID test, uh, he was completing 71% of his throws. He had a 17 to two touchdown interception ratio. Uh, and the production's great, but what's going to what makes him the favorite to be the number one pick? It, it just comes down to the traits. And Lawrence physically, he's just so impressive. 6'5, 220 pounds. Uh, he has the body type to withstand the violence of a full NFL schedule. Uh, he can make every throw with ease from the deep out to the bang eight. And the nimble movements are really, really impressive with him. He's making throws outside of structure from different platforms. Uh, but then also the mental standpoint, uh, that stands out as well for a player his age. Uh, he's he's above average and nowhere near a ceiling when you talk about the intangibles uh, and just the way he processes things. Uh, he can handle protections pre-snap. He can eliminate things quickly. He'll, he'll work through his progressions. Uh, he doesn't panic or, or lose his cool. So uh, the, the intangibles, you talk to his coaches, uh, he, he's just he's very mature. He's unassuming. Uh, he works hard to get better. They say that he's a, a terrific self-evaluator. So he's recognizing where he needs to get better and focusing on the development. So not only does he have the physical tools, but the instincts as a passer, the genuine character, uh, that, that it's even better than just physically what he has. And so in today's NFL, it's all about creativity. It's all about athletic arm talent at the quarterback position. And that's exactly what Lawrence brings to the field. And uh, it's kind of, it's similar discussion. Uh, you know, it's not just what he is now, but he's still learning and getting better and better. So I think that's an area where, uh, you know, fans can get excited about him. Is there anything that, that when you flip on the film and you're watching, is there anything that, that gives you the pause that gives you like that? I, I wouldn't even, I don't know a red flag is probably too, too strong of a word, but, but where, where would the weakness be? You know, is it, is it, I know, I know he tends, I know he's not a big slider. I know that's, that's kind of something where it seems like he's, he welcomes the contact a little bit right now when he runs, which is something he'll learn not sure. to do in, in the NFL. But I mean, is there anything that that kind of stands out to you where there's a, there's a, that's a little, okay, eh, yeah, all this is great, but you know, what, what is the, but with Lawrence or, or is there one? I think it just comes down to consistency from an accuracy and mechanical standpoint. Um, you know, quarterbacks like that who are so much more talented than everybody else, uh, you know, they haven't had to be pinpoint accurate their entire lives or the mechanics haven't had to be uh, perfect because they can get away with it. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is no different. Uh, he, he just needs to get better from a consistency standpoint. Now, he's not an inaccurate quarterback. He just needs to uh, you know, improve the consistency, uh, understand ball placement, throwing it away from defenders, things like that, uh, to to help out his receivers. And you know, when I studied him over the summer, I was a little turned off that his probably his two you know least impressive games from a passing standpoint were the, the final two games of the year against Ohio State and against LSU in the national title game. Now he ran all over Ohio State, but from a passing perspective. He was okay. wasn't great. Uh, and Ohio State was probably one of the best defenses uh, they faced that year with the, the secondary talent with Chase Young rushing off the edge. Uh, and then against LSU in the national title game, obviously, uh, you know, the Clemson defense just they, they couldn't stop Joe Burrow. Uh, but uh, it was not a great game for uh, for Trevor Lawrence. So uh, those two games gave me pause. But, you know, he's only a sophomore this year. He's getting better and better and better. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him against Notre Dame. Now, maybe we will in the ACC title game. And so any chance to see him against a formidable opponent, you're going to take that tape, and it's, it's going to be something that's very important for his final eval. 
So you, you move from Lawrence to Fields. Um, and I guess the question there is it's obviously a very different kind of quarterback. Dane Fields runs a lot better. And he's thrown great accuracy this year as well. But when you look at those two guys, in your mind, is the gap large? Has Justin Fields cut into it this season from what you've seen? How do, how do you compare Lawrence and Fields? You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And that's so, so true when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, you, you know, it's just, it's really interesting how you could see two players and maybe for a certain scheme, maybe for what you have in mind, um, you know, you might like him a little different. And with Fields, he's really interesting because when I sat down the summer and I really studied him, I came away more impressed with Ryan Day, uh, the Ohio State head coach, than Fields. And that's not meant to be a dig at Fields because I think he's great. Uh, it's just more how impressed I was with Day and his, you know, the schematic play calling and and all of that. Uh, he's so good at using all of Ohio State's weapons and really Fields. He's the perfect point guard for that offense. Uh, but this season, we've only seen three games, but Fields is playing better and better. Uh, and I think that should be expected when you factor in. Last year was his first year in Columbus, uh, so he was still learning the playbook. Uh, getting to know his teammates, and I give him credit because when this looked like the season was going south, the Big Ten said, "Okay, we're not playing a fall schedule." He, he never once considered, hey, "All right, I'm going to opt out. You know, get ready for the draft. I'm going to be a top ten pick." He started a petition to play. He did everything in his power because he could not wait to show everybody what he could do with another year under his belt in that offense with that coaching and through three games, he's been phenomenal. So you're talking about a player who's a thick athlete. He's got speed. He moves around. Well, uh, he'll gash defenses with his legs, but he's naturally accurate. He's got a clean, natural stroke. Uh, he understands uh, ball placement to lead his targets away from defenders. I think my favorite thing about fields is just his, his calm, cool demeanor. Uh, you know, the spotlight's been on him for a very long time and he's never wilted. So, uh, you know, he's now I think on the flip side, that, that coolness to him, sometimes he's holding the ball too long. Uh, he needs to do a better job going one to two to three in his reads. And, you know, honestly, for those of us on the outside, we're at a disadvantage because teams, they're going to have a chance to sit down with him pre-draft and get a better sense for what he's seeing pre-snap. You know, what's his recall, like his ability to break down coverages, uh, you know, sit down, watch tape and say, OK, what are you seeing here? Uh, you know, why aren't you moving off this read? And, you know, how efficient can you be? And, you know, just what are you seeing? And that's that's so important to evaluating this position. But just just watching him on tape so far this year, uh, he's showing improved timing. The ball's up and gone. And that's something scouts really want to see the rest of the year. What is what is I should actually say, how close is that gap? Right. I mean, what what is kind of the things like when you look at Trevor Lawrence and you say, like, OK, this is what makes him so this is what makes him kind of the the, the presumed number one pick in the draft fields. I know he's, he's number two on, on your big board, which just came yeah. out, which is for any jet fan that's interested in looking at what this team could, I mean, the jets have, what is it? They project to have number one, number 20 and number 33 this year's picks in the drafts is potential. I mean, you, you should knock every one of the guys that are going to pick there. So any jet fan that's looking for an early look at what this draft could look like, definitely take out Jane's big board. I know it's pinned on the jets, uh, the Jets page on the athletic, and I'm sure you can find it just by going to Dane's actual author page. But I mean, when when you see what what is kind of the compare, I know it's it's maybe apples oranges, and like you said, beauty's kind of in the eye of the beholder. But when you compare those two, where is kind of the separation point? You know, or or what can Fields do? I guess to narrow the gap even more to almost make this a coin flip come come the end of April. You know, I think it's just 
with with Lawrence, you see a little bit more of you know the natural instincts, the ability to be creative, um, and you know it just comes very natural to him. Now Fields has some of that too. I just I think the scheme helps him out so much where uh, you know he's not asked to make those whole field reads. He's not asked to uh, do some of the things that Lawrence is asked to do, and. You know, it's that, and that doesn't mean that Fields can't do it, though. Uh, you know, that that's an important point here. Um, it's just that you know we might have a better feel that Lawrence can do it. And so, like you mentioned, they're one and two on the draft board. So you know, it's not like there is a huge gap between these two players. Uh, it will come down to preference. It will come down to how the rest of this season plays out. Now, if Justin Fields plays like he does, uh, or how he ha- how he has the rest of this year. Uh, and you know, whether he wins the Heisman or not, that doesn't matter, but goes to the national title game. Uh, how does he do in the playoffs and these big game moments? Uh, you know, it'd be awesome if we get to see Ohio state and Clemson again, to see these two quarterbacks, uh, match up. Cause these two guys have been, you know, going back to high school, you know, they're one and two, uh, in the recruiting class, they've been pitted against each other for so long. So, uh, the more and more opportunities we have to see these guys, uh, the more our, uh, you know, our, the narrative will be kind of shaped uh, for their future in the NFL. So I think just based on what we know about Fields right now, based on what we know about Lawrence, Lawrence is still a favorite. But the rest of this this chapter has not been written yet. You know, it's important to keep an open mind to how the rest of the season plays out and because the gap is not very big. In your opinion, then it, the Jets. I mean, look, everyone wants this team going. Anyone who's who is tied and and going to bed in their green and white jammies tonight. I mean, they they all want the Jets to go zero and sixteen. They want Trevor Lawrence. Sure. You know, they want they want the long golden locks and a, a Jet jersey playing on Sunday. I mean, that's what they want. But if something happens here, you know, where you know they steal a game against the Raiders, they steal a game against the the Patriots. You know, the Jaguars jump them, and it's Jacksonville that that ends up winning the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. They're sitting there at number two, and and they end up with with Justin Fields. I mean, is that is that a bad consolation prize, or or in your opinion, with the way this thing's trending, I mean, with the, with the Jets being in just as good of hands? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can look at it and still feel uh, really optimistic. And you know, when you look at Justin Fields, there's a lot of Dak Prescott to his game. And so, mm-hmm. if I'm telling Jets fans that hey, you're going to get a Dak Prescott type of quarterback, a guy that can use his legs to create a guy that's going to get better and better and better. Uh, I, I think that you're, you'll take that gladly, uh, especially, uh, you know, what's the quarterback play they've seen there recently, but you know, so much of it depends on, uh, you know, what's, what's the coaching situation going to look like, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Field, Zach Wilson, uh, you know, Trey Lance, whoever the quarterback is, it doesn't matter if they don't have the right coaching in place and the right situation. They have draft capital, uh, you know, if they're able to get a second for Sam Darnold, you have two picks in the first, the second, and the third. And you have a chance to move around a little bit, go get the guys you want. Uh, they'll have some money to spend. If you want to go get an Allen Robinson, uh, get that number one receiver, that's going to help your young quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, bolster the offensive line with some of those early picks, add a pass rusher. Uh, so, you know, a, a better defense is going to help your quarterback as well. There's so many things that they can do uh, that are going to help whoever they end up drafting. If it ends up being Fields over Lawrence, I'm still taking a lot of optimism into next season and the future if I'm a Jets fan. Um, the other thing, Dane, too, is obviously like that we've spent a lot of time here on the quarterbacks, and, and I just want to touch on on some of the other positions as well, just just quickly because you know the the thing that Joe Douglas has done pretty a pretty decent job of. I mean, obviously he's he's coming from the Ozzie Newsome school of team building, and then spent time obviously in, in Chicago and and Philly before joining the Jets here, but. 
I mean, he wants to build this thing through the draft. I mean, his goal is, and he, he said it to us when we talked to him at the mid at his midseason press conferences, you know, teams, teams aren't bought, you know? So I, I don't think he's going to be someone piecing together a, an off season where he's given a hundred million dollars to 30 year old free agents. You know, he's going to be looking for the guys that are still ascending and really trying to build this thing the right way through the draft. So that's why you've seen him add all this draft capital, you know, like, like you said, he's got the number one pick, but he's got Seattle's other first rounder. He's got a second rounder. He could have another one. If he ends up flipping Sam Darnold, he's got the two third rounders, potentially two fourth rounders as well. If the giants re-sign Leonard Williams. So there's options for him to, to expand the draft. Obviously the big positions in need right now for the jets receiver still, although with Denzel Mims and Crowder, they're probably going to look for a receiver and free agency. You, you mentioned Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay is another guy. Juju obviously is somebody that, that I know jet fans are tied to. Um, but offensive line, they still got to keep working on that. Pass rusher, still got to work on that. Corner, they still got to work on that. With those positions, is this a relatively deep class for any of those? Do, do or do any of those positions kind of jump out at you through your early evaluation of this class through, I and mean, what is it, November? Um, do any of those jump out at you in terms of like, you know what? They're picking 20, 25 with that Seahawks pick, maybe even down at 28. They could find a pretty good X there. You know, I mean, what what is one of the deeper or what are some of the deeper positions uh, in this draft class that you've seen so far? Well, I think you look at all those positions. I think there's good value in the I'm late gonna make one. Jeff fans go crazy with that. You're gonna make, you're gonna make, you're gonna, I'm falling in love with you. No, I, and I think that this is the way I'm shaping up or the, the way this draft is shaping up with uh, the draft capital they have and what we know the needs are. I'm I'm excited if I'm a Jets fan, just because I'm excited for what this offseason is going to bring. There's you look at what Miami's done in the last year, year and a half with all their draft picks and getting the young quarterback, and you know they're the Dolphins are on the upswing. Why can't the Jets do that? First of all, it's going to again the coaching is going to be important, but you still have an opportunity here to build through the draft. And you look at corner in the late first or you know in that the back half of the first round. Uh, a Darion Kendrick from Clemson uh, would be an outstanding pick. J.C. Horn, Joe Horn's son, uh, who actually just declared uh, leaving South Carolina, made it official. He'll be in this draft class. A big, long, athletic corner who uh, is not afraid to compete. Sometimes a little too much, uh, and that's why we're talking about him as maybe uh, a, in the back half for round one, not the top half. But you know, there's a lot of tools there that you want to work with if you're a, an NFL defensive coach. Uh, offensive tackle Rashawn Slater uh, from Northwestern. Uh, one of the he's my uh, offensive tackle number two in this draft. Christian Darasaw from Virginia Tech. These guys would be plug and play right tackles from day one. Uh, put him on the other side, Mackay Becton. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. And if they do decide to go wide receiver uh, instead of you know maybe going uh, the free agent route, uh, wide receiver is another loaded class this year. And yeah. you know we'll see who declares, who doesn't. Uh, but, you know, getting a guy like, you know, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota in the late one, uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State, maybe if you do end up with Fields, pairing Fields and Olave back together would be a lot of fun. So the way th this is shaping up, it's a very strong uh, quarterback class at the top. Uh, you know, we don't have a Chase Young this year. We don't have the Bosa's, Miles Garrett. We don't have that top mm -hmm. pass rusher. So I don't think there's, there shouldn't be any debate. Jets are going to go quarterback with that early top three pick. And then the way it's shaping up with, with another one and then uh, with their early two and then two threes, I think they're in good position to add a pass rusher, a corner, a tackle. Uh, and, and then if they address wide receiver free agency, this team's looking a lot better pretty quickly. 
keeping the optimism going here this morning. This is uh, this is good. This I, is you, what I, the I tell you what, though, Dane, we don't we don't pay you enough. I'm gonna be honest. I'm listening like you talk about that. You don't pay you enough. When I, whenever your contract's up, man, let me. I'm gonna be your agent. I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling Paul. I'm calling whoever. I'm gonna be like, dude, just add a zero. Add a zero. Right, that's I, what he that, that works for me. Hey, look, the to draft, the right side, not the left. The, the draft brings hope. All right, the draft brings optimism, and I, I don't know. That's why I love it so much. Is because these these teams have a chance to get better. I mean, I mentioned the, the Dolphins, what they've been doing, and it's only going to get better for them with multiple picks, uh, you know, with the Texans picks and all that. Yeah. Uh, the Jets have a similar opportunity here. And so, you know, obviously it starts with the, the front office and the coaching and they have to have the right people there. We, we think Joe Douglas can be that guy, um, you know, with his pedigree and where he's came from. And, um, you know, I've, my very few conversations I've had with him, I, you know, I'm ready to, to, to think that he can do it. But, you know, time will tell. I was going to say, um, you say that, that the draft is a time for optimism. But honestly, for Jets fans, I think it's the other way because of <laughs> the management of this team over the last few years and how badly the drafts have gone. But when you look at the 2019 draft and what Joe Douglas did in his first chance, were you impressed with, I mean, it's one year in, so obviously there's, there's going to be time to figure this out, but between Becton and Mims and what they did later on, do you like that draft for him? Oh, you have to. Yeah. I mean, Mekhi Becton looks like he's, uh, you know, going to be a a top five tackle in the NFL. Uh, He's on that trajectory. Uh, You know, he's, and just it was just pretty shocking to see how far he fell uh, because he was a top 10 pick. And, you know, to, to for the Jets to get him where they did, uh, I mean, you have to you know feel great about that. And it was such a rich tackle class at the top. And all these guys performing well, Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs uh, and Mekhi Becton's right in there. So hopefully he just stays healthy, um, continues to grow, continues to develop. Um, I was talking to his trainer the other day about just the growth that he's shown and, uh, you know, in just when he showed up during before the draft process and the, the maturation he showed throughout the process, uh, he, he could not uh, talk enough about how he improved and how he's nowhere near a ceiling. So if you have Mekhi Becton in the fold, you're feeling good. And then Denzel Mims, I, I think he's he's going to be the perfect number two receiver. Um, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a number one. But the speed, the length, uh, you know, he can beat you deep, uh, you know, vertically. He can, uh, you know, you don't want him running a lot of, uh, you know, you want him running a lot of linear routes where one cut, boom, he's going to create a little separation, whether it's slants, whether it's just simple digs, whether you're sending him deep. Uh, he can create that separation and be a, a really nice uh, robin to uh, whoever your number one receiver is. This is uh last question I have for you, Dane, before we pivot real uh, over to, we have a few listener questions. It's just uh, the Jets obviously are going to be looking for a new head coach. I mean, Adam Gase is not going to be here next year. They're going to be looking for a new one. Um, Matt Campbell, somebody who's obviously somebody the Jets are, are talking a lot to. I don't, I, you're obviously scouting the players, but I know you deal with these coaches a lot too. It yeah. takes a unique guy to go from the college ranks to the pros. Like it's not, yeah. it's not just an easy transition. I mean, it takes like the specific kind of person to make the Pete Carroll type jump and not do, um, uh, there's the, the so many other failures that if a Steve Spurrier one is obviously always comes to my mind is like a guy who just didn't work in college, did not work in pros. Dabo Sweeney is another one who's, who's, who's the guy who like people have, I, I don't, is, are either of these guys jump out of you from what you've gotten to know him over the years? Are, are either of these guys ones that you would think, you know, yeah, I could see him working on the NFL or is there even there's somebody that you don't necessarily think is getting enough uh, attention right now that you think, ah, oh, you know what? I've talked to him enough. I think he, he might be able to work at, at the NFL level. Well, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, it, it is such a hard transition. Uh, you know, Nick Saban, you would you would think he'd, he'd be able to work in the pros. And obviously that 
that that flamed out pretty quickly in Miami. Um, but you know, Matt Rule was that guy uh, yeah. in the past years, the last few years, where you just you just knew whenever he goes to the NFL. I mean, he would be a natural fit with just his coaching style, uh, the the way he uh, relates with players, but still demands respect and you know treats them as as equals. But he's still the superior in the room. It just it's it's a really interesting interesting dynamic that takes a certain type of charisma, certain type of coaching style. And I do think Matt Campbell has that to him. Um, now I'm not sure he's interested in leaving, but I was around Matt when, uh, it, you know, he was at Mount union, uh, back in my early days. And just even back then, you knew, uh, this guy is going to be a, a really good coach, uh, you know, wherever he wants to be. And it's been fun to watch his ascension and he could be a coach somewhere else. If he wanted to, he chooses to be at Iowa state, um, I think he has that type of coaching style where he's going to relate, but also uh, get the most out of his players. And so, um, you know, there's there's so many different types of coaches out there. If you want to go for more of the play caller option, uh, you know, you look at Joe Brady, what he's doing, Carolina, um, you know, some people think Kellen Moore is going to be a future head coach with uh, you know his offensive background and the way he can uh, manipulate the playbook and get the most out of his quarterback. Uh, there's different ways they could go here uh, and just, but it's going to be such an important hire. There's no question about it. All right, Dane, we have a few questions about, you know, as COVID cases are rises, rising and games are being canceled and all-star mm -hmm. games are being canceled. How does that make scouts job harder and your job harder? Well, you know, it's, it, it, you know, forget my job, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out, but for scouts, yeah, no question. It's, you know, cause they're not allowed to, to be doing a lot of traveling. Um, you know, they're allowed to go to these games, but they're still, you know, they're doing zoom calls with players on campus and things like that. Uh, so it does make it a lot more difficult. Uh, the East West Shrine game is not going to happen. We don't think the NFL PA collegiate bowl is going to happen. Uh, I talked to Jim Nagy yesterday with the senior bowl. And the senior bowl is going to happen. They have testing protocols in place. Um, you know, they're, they're canceling basically all the events around the game, uh, but the practices in the games will go on uh, and they will happen. And it's going to be really important because we don't know what the combine is going to look like. We don't know what pro days and workouts and, you know, the, the, the team visits uh, before the draft, we don't know if those are going to happen. So the interview process in mobile uh, in late January is going to be really important for these teams and these players so that the coveted senior bowl invite will be a little more important this year. I think the toughest part might be just all these opt outs that we've seen this year. Uh, some uh, pretty notable players opting out. Now, some, we know, we know what they are. Jamar chase from LSU, the wide receiver. He didn't have to play another down. We know exactly what he is. Penny Sewell, the left tackle from Oregon, same thing. But some of these other players that opted out, you know, and Nico Collins from uh, Michigan, a wide receiver, he could be on the jets radar as a, as a day two wide receiver prospect. Uh, you know, there's a couple of guys like that who are, are talented guys. It's just going to take a little bit more to figure them out. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, do we focus more on just the 2019 tape? Um, you know, what do they look like a year from now? Are they still in shape? Um, it, there's just a lot of, a lot more, it's going to be a lot more challenges this year. No question about it. Well, we've worn you out here, Dane. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know I think we went well over the time that we said we would we <laughs> would good. use you for. But we, um, we could have made another hour out of this. Yeah, exactly. We, so we, we got to hold keep, it back, though. Yeah, I promise I wouldn't keep Connor talking Dane's ear off all morning. So yeah, uh, such got, good uh, information though, and and everybody, you know, I know everybody's waiting for when that draft guide comes out, but um, it'll be out there. What is the timeline on that? It's it's in. Is that March that comes out? 
The goal is always a month before the draft. So okay. yeah, late March, early April. Uh, yeah, this year might be a little different because it's harder to gather all the information, uh, that type of thing. But you know, it'll it'll still be in people's hands weeks before the draft. All right, we'll check just out hand on the next. Go ahead. On Sorry. the next podcast, we're just going to give your cell phone number out and just have people text you <laughs> if they want to know anything. We're gonna, we'll see, we'll see, see how that one goes. See how the, the loyal <laughs> listeners here that will blow up your phone with thousands of text messages. Hey, what do you think about this random guy? What do you think yeah, about this it, one? <laughs> yeah, my, my cousin's no, he knows a guy uh, <laughs> over there at Savannah State. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait uh, for also, my Monmouth kids to get drafted. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> Um, also, you can check out Dane on Prospects to Pros and other of our great podcasts here on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is uh, weekly pretty much right now. It really picks up as we get closer to the draft as well, getting into the Senior Bowl and stuff. A great podcast um, to check out all, not just the top of the draft, but you guys dive deep into the players that are going to be available. So check that out as well. Thanks a lot, Dane. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks man. Dane. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, back to the Jets. And Connor, that was so good with Dane and, and everything that obviously yeah. all his information. But one thing that surprised me a little bit is he really seems like he's not so sure that Trevor Lawrence is the slam dunk over Fields. Yeah, and I think that was something that surprised me a little. I I, I thought, I mean, at least like, again, you, you talk to different people and and you get different opinions, right, on, on Lawrence. And I, I think that, my my stance with Lawrence, I was actually talking about this with, with somebody the other day, and, and I said it was like you, you kind of see this a lot every year that you have like the consensus top pick, that you have like the guy that everyone thinks is going to be the dude, and a lot of times that guy has been talked about forever. Uh, like like with Sam, you know, Sam had that big game again in the Rose Bowl against Penn State, and he became the guy that was oh he's going to be the number one pick when he comes out, and then you know he had like a so so year in in uh when he had a so-so year kind of that that's that final year at usc where the interceptions were there the fumbles were there he was turning over usc really didn't have too much on-field success because uh, i guess in something that's kind of followed him to the pros he wasn't surrounded with too too much talent (laughs) um he falls back and people start talking about you know mayfield and josh allen and josh rosen but you know sam's kind of always still there literally this kid in, in Lawrence, he's been in the spotlight like his entire life like every year so everyone has been talking about him and like dane said the minute he showed up at, as a freshman at Clemson, it became, oh, well, he's the number one pick when he comes out. Oh, he's the number one pick. So almost you you get you get to the point where you're exhausted talking about him, you know, and you exhaust everything you could say. There's only so much you can scout this guy. There's only so much you can evaluate this guy. Eventually, he is what he is. So you direct your attention to someone else. And that's when you have someone like Justin Fields start stealing the attention, start stealing the spotlight because he's new. You know, he's the guy no one's talked about yet. He's the one no one's really scouted yet. He's not the one that was on anyone's radar 
for the last four years, but just the last year and a half. I can tell you, though, that if this BCS playoffs come and Lawrence gets a chance to play Alabama and he gets a chance to play Ohio State and he gets a chance to play, like Dane referenced, Notre Dame uh, in that ACC championship, you're going to have that gap way back. You know what I mean? Like if he if he lights it up and, and he shows the junior year, Lawrence is so much different than everyone else. He's going to light this thing up. He's going to light the place on fire and, and, and he'll be the consensus pick. But I think what I came away if I'm a Jet fan, what I came away feeling really good about listening to Dane is that if if it's kind of always been this, you got to go 0-16 because you got to get Lawrence, right? Like, that was it. Like, you need to be 0-16 because you need Lawrence, generational player. Listening to Dane talk just now, listening to him explain what Dane, what, uh, what what Trevor does well, also what, um, what, what Fields does well, whether you think the gap is big or not, I think what you can come away feeling okay about is, like, if the Jets steal a game, at these final seven, if they win a game and they're picking two, they're still in good hands. And that's kind of what I really wanted to ask him is like, you know, if, if, if everything, if, you know, this typical Jets thing happens and the Jets are picking number two because they beat the Raiders or they beat the Patriots in week 17, Jaguars lose out, Jaguars go to number one, are they still going to be okay with fields as they would Lawrence? And and if you listen to Dane and, and I trust everything that guy says, I mean, I do, I, mean, I trust like that guy's word is gospel. Um, you got to feel pretty good about, about that. Seemed like he feels bad for Sam Darnold, too. <laughs> Talking to him early yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things for the Jets. Uh, they did make some moves this week. Uh, they claimed Corey Ballantyne off waivers from the Giants. <laughs> uh, and they claimed uh, Vikings offensive lineman Pat Elfine off waivers as well. Um, do those guys get thrown into the mix right away, do you think? No, I wouldn't think so. I think that, honestly, the, the guys at the Jets, uh, Pat maybe, because yeah. the Jets have had their issues with Greg Van Roten. Like he's been a problem this year. Like, like Van Roten has had a lot of issues. He talks a good game. He looks the part. The Jets are happy. You know, the, the Jets wanted him. They brought him in. They they liked his athleticism and thought he'd be a better fit in Adam Gase's offense. He's been a problem. Like he's he's a big weakness on the right side of the line. I mean, the Jets love obviously what they have in Beckton. They they know Alex Lewis isn't isn't Zach Martin, but he's a serviceable starter on the left side, and they like what they like. They like him as a leader. They like him as a person. He doesn't make too many mental mistakes. He just needs to stay healthy. Like, and he's fine there. McGovern, obviously, has been dealing with a hamstring injury, but you're not going to replace him at center. And then, obviously, Fan is a guy who kind of keeps getting better. The one problem that they really have in that line and the one thing where weekly they try to mask the issue and weekly they're like, all right, how are we going to make sure this doesn't happen? How are we going to hide this? How are we going to do that? It's at right guard. Like, that's that's where there's a problem, and that's where the Jets kind of got to get better. Pat's had success there. I mean, he's had – like, he was a third-round pick. He had some success early in his career before injuries took their toll in Minnesota – where he's somebody that I could see coming in here, getting acclimated with the offense, getting acclimated with things, getting continuing to get healthy. And then maybe in like a week or two, if, if Van Roten continues to struggle, I could see easily the Jets making the switch and going, going another direction. Which right now, they just don't have anyone they can go with. You know, Cameron Clark is a guy everyone keeps saying, they Jets drafted him, you know, bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. I wrote about it last week before the bye, or, or just after the bye, as the Jets were on their bye week. Like, the Jets, when Cameron Clark is, is somebody that has – struggled mightily and dealt with a lot of issues in terms of not having enough time to acclimate himself to the NFL. He was one of those guys that coming from Charlotte really needed an off season. He needed OTAs. He needed mini camp. He needed the rookie, rookie, just don't have a rookie camp, but a rookie acclimation period where he's in for meetings and all that stuff. He needed those things to start getting them ready. Then a full training camp. And then maybe midway through the season, he'd be ready to start seeing the field a little bit. Because he didn't have OTAs, because he didn't have minicamp, he was a fish out of water in training camp. I mean, for a second, the Jets were kind of looking at this guy like, holy cow, we might have missed. Like, we, we might have missed on this pick. Like, this one, this is not looking good. 
he dealt that injury, kind of got that time to the reacclimate himself over the ensuing weeks. You know, almost like training camp was kind of like his OTAs. Then the regular season became his training camp. And now you're starting to see him catch up a little bit. He's still not there, but he is trending in the right direction. I think this will end up being a redshirt year for Cameron Clark. So the Jets don't really have anyone that if they yank Van Roten out of the lineup, they can say, like, we're putting this guy in. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to put this guy in. This guy's going to play. With him out or with Pat now in the mix, you do have that opportunity to say, like, all right, we're going to we're gonna have someone else maybe here to complete with Van Roten. And if he keeps struggling, we can throw someone else in there. Again, this kid's 26. So he's still got, like, his NFL career ahead of him. And, and you know, the one thing is the last point I can make on this is that I, I remember talking to people about, like, offensive linemen and they said like it's a it's an acclimation period from which is what makes what Mekhi Becton is doing so remarkable there is an acclimation period from when you're drafted as an offensive lineman center guard tackle to then you're playing in the NFL like it takes time and a lot of times because there's not a lot of contact in training camp there's not a lot of contact in 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 uh in all this and there's not too much playing time in preseason offensive linemen are developing at a slower rate than what they normally develop at like it takes them a lot of time um you might not see an offensive lineman become the player that he is until year four or five. And that's why you can, you can find random dudes in free agency that you get them in their system. And suddenly they, they blossom like James Carpenter. When the Jets signed James Carpenter in 2015, he was a, he was kind of a so-so not really good offensive offensive guard with the Seahawks came to the Jets. He was a borderline pro bowl player. Like he was really good with the Jets his first few years there. And then obviously the Jets ended up letting him go, but um, I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, 26 young was a third round pick, obviously his talent, get him in here, get a new voice, get a new scheme. And, and maybe he can, he can take off and blossom and be a player for him. Yeah. I think, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted yesterday that Elfine was, uh, claimed by, well, obviously the jets got the claim because he was the, the number one on the list, but Ravens, Washington bears, dolphins, and Jaguars yeah, all put wanted. in claims for him. Yeah. Wanted. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So we have one question um, from the chat. This is from Green Wasabi. Any chances the Jets hire a defensive-minded head coach like Brian Flores? Guess he's seeing what's uh, all the success going on down there in uh, South Beach. Yeah. Um, Here's what I would say. A race, offensive-minded, defensive-minded, all this crap. Look what Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator. Look what he's doing with the Giants. And like, like the Giants are three and seven. It's not like they're gangbusters. But if you watch any of those giant games, you know they got a head coach. Like that team plays hard every snap. They're just not talented, but they are going 100 miles per hour every play. They're practicing hard. They're doing all this stuff. Like you watch them and there's some, some rookie head coach hiccups. There's some times where he should have gone for it, where he didn't. He took this, he did that, blah, blah, blah. The Giants blew some games, but that's a team that literally, like I said, they have no talent. Like they're, they're a very talent deprived team, just like the Jets are, but they're playing hard. Joe Judge was a special teams coach last year. So I think that, that this, this mindset needs to change where you want like the next brilliant offensive mind and you want the next offensive guy. You just want a head coach. You want to find a guy and look at a guy and, 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 and find a dude that you're like, this guy has head coaching qualities and he can fill it out. And I get why everyone's like offensive minded works because if you find an offensive minded person like Cliff Kingsbury or like the Eagles did with Doug Peterson or, 
uh, like any of these other top tier offensive minded coaches, what you can say is like, we have this offensive guy who's rearing our young quarterback who is now not going to leave. Right. Because usually if you have like, you know, the, 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 the head coach who hires a brilliant offensive coordinator and that offensive coordinator goes out and, and has so much success, that guy's going to go away and somebody's going to come and hire the offensive coordinator because he's going to want them. And then suddenly you have to find a new offensive coordinator and maybe the new offensive coordinator isn't all that good. Like I get that thought process, but the Jets tried to go that route. You know what I mean? Like enough. Don't, don't think offensive-minded, defensive-minded, special teams-minded. Don't think anything like that. Just find the right guy that can build a culture, build a team, get the most out of his players and surround himself with a coaching staff that that can have some success. And that guy's your head coach. Go find a head coach. Who cares what minded he is? Just go find a head coach that can make the jets relevant and, and make them confident and get the most out of them. If it means it's a Joe judge, special teams guy, fine. If it means it's a Brian Flores, um, a Brian Flores, defensive minded, fine. If it means a guy who who's just, who was a head coach before who's looking for another gig, like, like Harbaugh or Andy Reid was when he went to the chiefs, fine. It doesn't matter. Or, or a, a college guy, like, like uh rule or offensive minded, like whatever. I don't care. Like just go find a guy that's going to be a head coach, a head coach, a leader of men, a guy who's going to, to be able to sur- get the most out of his players, find the best guy to run his offense, find the best guy to run his defense, not meddle in everything and knows what he's doing. Go find that guy. And who cares what minded he is. That guy's out there. You just got to go and, <laughs> and get the right guy. And hopefully they do plenty of interviews and work their way through it. And Joe Douglas is hopefully the right guy to make that hire. We'll be back later in the week, though. Um, another right. We have another guest coming on. Is that, is that, that is confirmed? My, my yeah, Dan college, Popper. My yes. Popper's college, coming on. Uh, All right. Yeah, Popper. One of my, uh, for Jet fans, for loyal, really loyal yeah. Jet fans, who, who are the people who read remember him, yeah. every piece of article that, that comes out on the Jets that that's, I don't know why you would like suscept yourself to that, that kind of torture, but. For anyone who reads everything that comes out on the Jets, I mean, Popper used to cover them for for the New York Daily News um, when they had, like, he ended up going to Jacksonville Forest for a little bit, covered the Jaguars for a year, and then he just got promoted to go cover the Chargers in L.A. He's out there with his uh, his long-term girlfriend, who's, who's I'm sure, soon to be his fiance. not to put the pressure on him like we do uh, Marissa's <laughs> boy over here, but uh, he uh, he's, he's one of my best friends. Like, he's, he's going to be at my bachelor party. He's going to be at my wedding. Like, I can't – I love the kid. He's been one of my best friends since he joined the beat. I was one of the younger guys on the beat at that time, and Pop was one of the other young people to actually be there for me to, like, grasp onto. So I, I love the kid, and, and he does amazing work. He's an incredibly talented writer. It'll be fun to have him come here, and, and we'll tell some some war stories preview what what's to come obviously and then and then talk a little jets chargers and just see how he likes it over there in la but but for anyone who who's looking for for nice writing on on the chargers i'm not just saying this because he works for the athletic like pop's one of the best in the business and, and he's definitely worth reading so you that's coming to up mention that he covered maryland football before all of that you know ah yes he, maryland he's a turf maryland, that's so. right. he's a turf. And the chargers are really maryland, interesting Ohio state this week i know i was very upset over this the COVID restrictions but Me too. so far I, they're I, all I, getting I been, healthy I, that's for sure Ohio State's playing this week, right? They're playing Indiana. Who's ranked? Is it Indiana? Yeah, Indiana's in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they wiped the floor with Penn. Or they didn't wipe the floor. It came down to that two point conversion. But um, maybe Michigan. That well, game's Michigan's still on, team. right? That yes. that game's going to be played, and yep. Fields is going to be on there because that's one where like I really want to watch that game. I have a friend's giving on Saturday, but I really like that's one where I'm I'm posting up on Saturday to watch that game. I'm, yeah, Indiana's uh, defense up. is pretty good too. So that'll yeah, be that's why I want to see Fields. I've never watched yeah. Fields. Like I really like I saw him at the BCS playoffs, but I haven't like watched him so like now with all this hype about like fields 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 and it's like the jets are, are going to be picking number one or number two it's like all right i gotta start watching this kid and i, I want i want to see him in person now and a good team good like i don't want to i don't want to see fields play rutgers or like 
beat up on like these these puny teams. Like I want to see him play in a, a top team, and Indiana's got a good defense. I want to see him, so I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, either going to watch it at Friendsgiving or I'm going to watch it uh, at my home before I head over to Friendsgiving. My buddy's doing a deep fried turkey. Very excited about that. Give Rod- Rodney Consman, give him a little shout out. Doing a deep fried turkey and, and a ham and Breeze making pumpkin crumb cake. Oh, I'm going to be in. I'm going to show up 350 pounds for the next podcast. Thanksgiving food power rankings coming up. All right. So we'll have that for you on Thursday on YouTube, probably Friday for the podcast with uh, Popper coming on to get you ready for that Chargers game later this week. Uh, if you haven't already, if you have a friend, if you need a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast. You can join right now for just $1 per week. We'll talk to you again later this week.